Welcome to The Theatre Project. Today, The Theatre Project is thinking about getting work as an extra. I am your host, Mary Ionelli, and I will be speaking with actor, director, and musician Michael Striano as he takes us through the ups and downs, ins and outs of being a background actor. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Did you act as a child? Like, how did you, how did this whole thing start for you? Sure. My my parents say that I started acting when I was a little kid and I would stand in front of the TV and and memorize movies and TV shows and everything. Um, And I I loved to watch the same movie over and over and over because I would learn every word and I would perform all the different characters along with the movie. Interesting. And then as we'd go out on walks and things, I would, I like to watch people and mimic them. If they had an odd gait or they had some type of mannerisms or something, I like to mimic them. But, but I really got into acting when I was in high school. And I was going, just going into high school because my mom really loves Shakespeare. And I wasn't taught Shakespeare in middle school. So she didn't want my first exposure to be some dry high school setting. Okay. And uh, and have me hate it. So we live near the Shakespeare Theater in New Jersey. Yes, I know. She enrolled me in their summer training program. So that was the first real um, official introduction, I guess, that I had, other than like a school play. Mm-hmm. And Shakespeare is is hard for somebody young to to kind of grasp. Was that easy for you? Did your mom help? It was very easy for me. I didn't really need a whole lot of help. It made sense to me. I'm also a musician. My father's a retired musician, so yes, I, I saw that. Yeah, I think the the musicality of it really helped, and the fact that there was a rhythm to it. And that it wasn't always a normal rhythm. There would be interruptions and people would interrupt each other. They interrupt themselves and having that added complexity to it, that it didn't just seem like random words on a page. Right. right. Even if they're very carefully chosen, you know what I mean? It's just different. But now what we're primarily going to talk about today is doing extra work. So I've spent all of my life in live theater. So in researching this before I talk to you, there were so many different types of acting roles that I kind of came across for film. How did you make the shift from live theater to film? How did it? It kind of came out of necessity more than anything uh, for a paycheck, you know, because I mean, it's just the sad, the sad truth of it. I can, yeah, it is. And I can make, Anyone can make more in one single day of background work than they can on an entire week of an equity contract. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a sad, very unfortunate truth that someone with absolutely no training and no dedication to the craft or anything like that, fact of the matter is they can make more standing around on set, not even going to set. They can sit and holding all day and make a a larger paycheck than an equity actor. Now, what is holding? Is that when they call you to set, but then maybe don't use you or your scene doesn't come up that day? Yeah. So holding um, is really just the 
the main place where people hang out before they go to set. So in holding, you'll have usually HMU, hair, makeup are there, wardrobe is there. There'll be a, a PA, a production assistant there who's running background and helping to check people in. And they're communicating with the AD team, the assistant directors, and they're figuring out what needs to be done, keeping everything on track. Because in, in theater, once you get to a higher level, everyone has one job, right? There's, there's a specific job for a specific person to the point where you get to Broadway and no one other than a stage manager is allowed to turn on a light. Right. Right. Um, in film, it's that to the nth degree. There, if there's a job that needs to be done, there is one person to do that job. Okay. You know, it's funny. I, I, my brother and I were just watching a movie yesterday and we were waiting at the end to see if Louis Armstrong was the voice we heard singing oh. one of the songs in the background. And it took forever for the, the credits to scroll up because there were hundreds and hundreds of people on there. There's so for, many. And when you hear about um, these shows that have really big days where it's not just a lot of cast and crew, but it's a ton of background and, and they don't do what's called tiling, which is when you have a smaller section that's actually real people. uh, And then they use computers to fill it out. Oh, so yeah. If you look at a big beach scene, like in, um, I worked on the Woody Allen movie, wonder wheel. I know I was going to ask you about that later. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a, definitely a, a very applicable background story in that. But a quick part of it is they use this thing called tiling on the beaches in Coney Island. And what they had us do was they would rope off a section. And they'd say, okay, everyone be in this section. And they would populate it. And then they'd move the ropes and they'd say, okay, now populate that section. And we do it in a different way. And then they edit them all together. So there were only, I mean, there were still, you know, a few hundred people there, but it wasn't, you know, a thousand. Right. Then you have, right. As opposed to what you have with Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, when they did like that big air, uh, the hangar scene. Yes. For the USO show. Those were all people that was not tiled. (laughs) Okay. I have a friend who, put us in touch actually, who was on set that day. Yeah. He's wonderful. He is. Kevin's great. Uh, and, and he was, I asked him about it and he was like, Oh dear Lord, there are so many people on this set. (laughs) (laughs) So is that what you do mostly now is the extra work? Because I know your interests are very varied. I see you directed, you've, you know, you've acted, you've your music. So it started as a paycheck. And then I became a member of SAG uh, pretty quickly. I can talk about that more later. And it became not just a way to make a good paycheck. It became a way to earn really good quality health insurance that's very inexpensive. Mm -hmm. Uh, It became a way to earn towards my pension. And then once I got married, it became a way to have great health insurance for my wife and I. That was very inexpensive. That's a national plan. So as you know, it can be very difficult to earn equity health insurance, unfortunately. But the SAG health insurance is almost as good as the equity, and it's still national, which is fantastic. It includes 
dental, it includes vision, it includes prescription, and it's much cheaper than anything you're going to find on the exchange or anything like that. So it last ended up lasting a little longer than I wanted it to. But are you still doing extra work now or, or have you moved on to? I quite literally just moved away from it. Okay. Yeah. When, when I got in touch with you and I said, Hey, my schedule opened up. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to do the interview <laughs> sooner, um, that's because I, I had been on a show that uh, I won't name, but it's a new show. So nobody's going to know it right now anyway, but there were a lot of problems on the set. Oh, okay. And there were a lot of safety problems and you would think that a horrific incident like what happened with rust would have shocked some people into taking safety a little more seriously. Right. Didn't. Um, That's unfortunate. Yeah. So I stepped away from that production and I talked with uh, this gentleman who is kind of my mentor to some extent. And he was like, you know, you're, you're very capable. You're very talented and you're meant for bigger things than background and stand in work. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're pursuing now. Yeah. Now, when you were doing the extra work, how did you find those jobs? Did you need an agent to secure those? Or is are there trade things that you go to? Sure. First off, for anyone who hears this, anyone who listens to this, if you ever have someone who wants to act as your representative, as an agent or a manager, and get you background work, Get out of whatever contract you may have signed with that person because they're just trying to fleece you. They're, they're essentially a con man or a con person and that they are disingenuous because they shouldn't be getting you extra work and they shouldn't want to get you extra work, if that makes sense. Because yes. they're making a commission that's 10 to sometimes managers will take as much as 20% of your paycheck and they don't want 10 to 20% of $200. They want 10 to 20% of $2,000. Exactly. Right? So they should be getting you the $2,000 jobs. You can get yourself the $200 job. There's a company called Central Casting, um, which is by coastal Everybody knows it. It's the common trope. You know, you look at someone who looks some quintessential character or something or some quintessential type. And the common joke is, oh, they look like they're right out of central casting, right? Yes, I've heard that. Uh, yeah. So, so if you're interested in, in not just interested in, in background work, uh, I actually recommend for people who are just getting into principal work because your representative will tell you not to do this. And they have a point. Don't do it in a way that's going to get you super featured or anything. So you're right up on camera because then you might have a hard time getting cast on the show or something. That can happen. Okay. But I recommend it for people who are just starting to get into principal work because sets are very chaotic places. And there's a lot of terminology that they're not going to want to have to explain to you. And you're going to be able to give a better performance if they don't have to. So do a day or two of background work. Go to central casting. Just book a day or two of background work. See what it's like to be on a big set and hear the terminology. And then you can ask people because they'll say, oh, they're just a background actor. Yeah, it's this, whatever. 
You know what I mean? Right. And then and then you'll have that little nugget of information because otherwise you're not even going to know what question to ask. So go to Central, do that. Uh, there are other companies. Um, there's another fairly large company called uh, Grant Wilfie that does a lot of a lot of movies and and bigger budget shows. Like they do a lot of HBO shows, like Succession, shows like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, things like that. So yeah, you you can set up your own profile with them. Uh, you used to have to go in person, but now it's all digital, so it's much easier. That is easier. Yeah. yeah, and then you'll get. They usually cast through a website called Casting Networks, and you make your own profile there, and you'll get emails. And you just click on the email, and you say, "Oh, okay, I can do. I can fit that role, and I'm free that day." Click. And in in doing the extra work. Do those hours go towards your SAG card or is that something different? So it's not the hours that matter to earn your card. It's the amount of days that you've worked on a union contract. Okay. So I know it sounds kind of weird, but for certain, I'm trying to think of how to phrase it, uh, for, for certain roles, if they need something very specific, they'll hire someone who's non-union but within the union count, as it's referred to. Uh, what that means is the way the SAG contract is written, they have to hire a certain amount of union actors, depending on what the production is for background, before they're allowed to hire non-union. Makes sense. So, yeah. If it's a TV show, they have to hire the first 25, have to be union. And if it's a movie, the first 85, I believe it is now, have to be union. And if they need something very specific that they want to make sure they have, they don't want to risk it being in the non-union and then somebody not showing up or being unprofessional or blah, 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 whatever. Uh, if they need a very specific physical trait, they'll hire it. They'll hire a non-union actor within the union count. And that's how you get what's referred to as a union voucher, a SAG voucher. And you need X amount of those vouchers to join the union. That's one way you can join. That's how I joined. That's how Gina Rodriguez joined. When you're going for a role as a background actor, do you usually know the type of character you're playing ahead of time? Do you do anything to research that? Is it that detailed or you just show up and hair and makeup and whatnot comes and takes care of everything? Sure. So I think the the most important thing to know for background is they want you to quite literally blend into the background, right? Okay. So they hire actors because actors are good at pretending a camera's not there, but they don't want you to be putting on a show. They want you to be the person who's holding this file, walking from this desk in the office to that desk in the office. They don't want you to appear conspicuous in any way. In fact, they're going to do your hair, your makeup, your wardrobe in a way that you blend into the background, not a way that you stick out, unless it's, unless it's a very specific thing. So if someone does go to do background work, you'll meet people, who, the other background actors who are actors like you and I, who do theater work. Uh, and I never stopped doing theater principal work while I was doing background. 
it would just be because it's so easy to get the job. It's so easy to get the background gig that you just stop doing it while you have your theater gig or whatever. And then you go back to it when you're back. That's it. Uh, but you'll also meet people going back to what I was saying before, who are not actors who have no experience. You'll have some people who are retirees even, mm-hmm. you know, you, you'll meet people who are, who are retired lawyers who don't need to worry about money, who just wanted something to do. And they think it's fun to be on set. And they just know the the rules. You ignore the principles. You ignore the camera. You walk where the AD tells you to walk. And and you're inconspicuous. You, the biggest thing is don't make noise. Okay. You know, ignore the the principles. That that's an interesting thing because some people may think, oh, if I get on set, I can meet so and so and say hi to them at the craft table, or <laughs> you know. But you need to you know be professional when you go. It's not an opportunity to celebrity watch or, you know, yep. anything like that. So. Correct. Uh, some, some celebrities are going to be nicer than others. The, the rule of thumb is don't look at them or talk to them or address them in any way until they engage with you first. And okay. even then, keep it to a minimum. Just because they say, hi, how you doing? as they're walking past does not mean they want to hear your life story and how their role in X movie changed your life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're there. And ju- just think of it completely matter of factly. You're not bumping into them on the street. This isn't random. You're at work. They're at work. They're, they need to focus on their work and doing what they need to do. And you as, as the background actor don't know what scene is coming up later in the day. So the scene that you're shooting now could be innocuous, but two scenes from now, after you come back from lunch, they might have a heavy emotional scene that they're already prepping for. Definitely. You know, and, and you, you can and will, and I have seen it happen where background got thrown off set and got in trouble with casting and disciplinary actions were taken because they wouldn't leave the principals alone. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's, um, is, I know you live in New York mm-hmm. or New Jersey. No, you're in New York now, right? Yes. Yeah. I live in New York. I'm okay. from Jersey, but right. don't hold that against me. Never. Cause I'm from Jersey. <laughs> okay. I live in Florida now, but I'm from Jersey. Okay. Um, is the background work localized to like the tri-state area? Do you ever go out to LA I know they do a lot of filming for some Fox TV shows and things down in uh, North Carolina. I don't know if they still do, but um, they used to. Is it regional or can you find it pretty much anywhere? Sure. Uh, It's always going to be a local hire, pretty much. It's pretty much always going to be a local hire. There are some rare examples where it's not. But generally speaking, all background is going to be a local hire. So if you're in a small town and there happens to be a movie filming there, um, trying to think of an example. Uh, there was this movie called the hollers that came out a few years ago. That was, uh, the, fir- the actual first movie that John Krasinski directed. It was not a quiet place. It was this movie called the hollers with Margot Martindale. And it was absolutely fantastic. Everyone watch the hollers if you haven't seen it. And, they were shooting, I can't remember if it was Mississippi or I, th- I want to say it was Mississippi at this hospital out there. Obviously, there's no big studios out in Mississippi. Right. But 
for the background, they hired people from the community, you know, and the same SAG rules applied. So the first X amount had to be union and all that stuff. Uh, there weren't necessarily a lot of union actors there. So a lot of non-union people worked on union vouchers that day, those days. But yeah, just as an example, but by and large, filming happens in, you know, New York, L.A., or one of the other cities, you know, Boston, Chicago, Philly, or now right. Atlanta. So much is shooting in Atlanta or New Orleans. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Can you walk us through an average a day on the set? Is that possible? Like, what do you do when you first get there? Sure. When you first get there, uh, the first thing that you do before you before your call time. So let's say your call time is 9 a.m. Bef- get there early because... Yeah, it's the it's the old theater adage that I'm sure you were raised with. Early is on time, on time is late, late is you're fired. <laughs> yeah. Uh it's very much that. If you are not if your call time is nine AM and you are not there, you will get a phone call from casting at nine oh one. I promise you. It will happen. It's it's happened to me that I've gotten a call two minutes before my call time. Yeah. Okay. And part of the reason you want to get there early is because it's going to be a long day and you want to get breakfast. As a background actor, you're generally speaking not guaranteed to get breakfast. So if you want to make sure that you eat, get there early. Then once you're on the clock, once it hits your your call time and everything, you're already checked in. Hopefully you got something to eat. You got your coffee. You have your voucher. You're going to be sitting and holding. And the background PA who's in holding with you is going to say, okay, guys, let's go through hair, makeup, and wardrobe. Sometimes they'll call you up by specific check-in numbers. Your check-in number is the number that is arbitrarily assigned to you when you're, when you're uh, hired by casting. Okay. So it's literally just because when they have so many people, like think about those big maze days where they have a thousand people. They're not going to go out there and say, hey, Michael, because, you know, two thirds of the thousand people are going to say what? (laughs) Um, So that everybody gets a check in number and that's your number for the day. So remember that Uh, you'll go through wardrobe, get properly dressed. If they ask you to bring clothes or what have you, uh, you often have to supply your own clothes. Yeah. Uh, And they'll give you generally some guidance before the fact, but you often only get it the evening before. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is kind of a pain in the neck. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But don't, don't, (laughs) don't let wardrobe push you around. I spent too, too long being frightened of wardrobe, wardrobe, little secret wardrobe can't fire you. (laughs) (laughs) Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, Then after that, it's a lot of hurry up and wait. So they're going to rush you through wardrobe. They're going to rush you through hair and makeup. And then they're going to say, okay, now we're just going to wait and hang out until they actually need us on set. So you'll sit around. Once you go to set, uh, the background PA will bring you there and you'll be met by someone who's referred to as the second second who will introduce themselves. And the second second refers to the second second AD. I know it's it's really strange. I have no idea where this term came from. <laughs> it's you would think it's the third AD, but it's not. It's the second second <laughs> AD. So the first AD 
is responsible for actually running the set, making sure the movie gets made, right? The director is responsible for how the movie gets made. The assistant director is responsible for actually making sure it does get made. Okay. The, <laughs> the second AD is generally in an office or a trailer somewhere doing paperwork most of the day. So the actual helper, the assistant for the first assistant director is referred to as the second second AD. So that person will uh, catch you, it's called, once you're sent to set. So they'll catch you usually and they'll introduce themselves and they'll start placing you, it's called. Okay. that's just them saying, okay, you're going to start here and on background action, you will cross here and, you know, interact with this person a little bit. They'll give you your action for the scene, what you're going to be right. doing. And they'll also tell you a little backstory like, hey, this is what's going on. These two characters are going to talk here. Then they're going to go here, blah, blah, blah. You'll hear some screaming. Ignore it. You're just at work today. Okay. Because <laughs> that's the movie that I'm making up right now. <laughs> yeah. And then you'll see a lot of people running around very frantically. And then you'll hear rolling, speeding, and you'll hear the first AD yell background. And that's your cue to start moving, start being alive, not just standing there. And then you'll hear action and you're off to the races. Okay. What is speeding? Speeding is uh, basically like rolling, but for sound. Okay. So yeah, camera rolls, sound speeds. Yeah. And then, uh, oh, sorry, you want me to walk through the whole day. That's just up to that. (laughs) (laughs) Then one thing that's good to know is generally a work day is predicated on eight hours of work. Mm -hmm. A shoot day on set is predicated on a 12-hour day. So. Normally, and where that really comes into play is with meal times. So normally, if you're at a nine to five, you're going to work for between three and four hours. Then you're going to take a lunch break and then you'll come back. Right. Because it's predicated on an eight hour day. But for a shoot day, it's predicated on 12 hours. So you're going to work for at least six hours unless they haven't gotten it yet and they decide to buy meal penalties. So you're going to work at least six hours before you get a chance to eat a meal. There will be what's referred to as craft services, which is just kind of a snack table. Mm -hmm. But for anything substantial, hot food. And SAG actually stipulates what is and is not lunch. (laughs) So that for for the, the very valid reason of they can't just, you know, buy a couple pizzas and have it there and say, that's your lunch. Right. Right. You know. So yeah, you'll you'll break for lunch at around the six-hour mark from what's called crew call. So that's when the actual crew is on the clock, not when background is on the clock. Background will be called before crew, generally speaking. So let's say background is called at 9 a.m. Crew is called at 11, which isn't unusual to have a two-hour buffer for all the background to go through hair, makeup, wardrobe, get a hundred percent as they say. Uh, so that if they're wanted right at 11, they're ready. They're never, they're never wanted right at crew call, but still <laughs> they're not wanted for at least an hour after. 
but that often happens. And in that case, lunch would be six hours from crew call. So it would be at 5 p.m. You're there at 9. Wow. Yeah, that can happen. So uh, don't rely on crafty. Bring some snacks of your own. I was going to say, are you allowed to, to bring something? Definitely. And do, especially if you have dietary restrictions or anything like that. Like for me, I'm, I'm vegan. Mm-hmm. So I always have stuff that I know I can eat because I don't know that craft services is going to. Right. Because you have a lot of sit around and wait time, do you bring like earbuds or a book or anything? And do they have a place you can keep that stuff while you're on set? Or do you carry that around with you all day? Sure. Um, always. I, I always have at least one book with me. Um, you can have your headphones. I usually don't think it's a good idea to bring your headphones to set for the simple reason of once you put your headphones in, you're kind of blocked out of everything and you need to be able to hear if they need you for whatever reason. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes you'll hear something called satellite holding, which just means the the larger holding space is going to be really far from set. And they have a a smaller space that's closer. They'll bring people to that smaller space. And then you can usually bring some of your stuff, but they'll ask you not to bring everything. Okay. Because it is smaller. But otherwise, yeah, definitely have a book with you. Something that's going to entertain you. And you'll generally be able to to talk and and everything with the other other background actors. Uh, Yeah, I was going to ask you about that as well, because... I know in live theater, a lot of the people who have made it, let's say, to Broadway were brought up from somebody they met doing regional theater, you know, connections they've met along the way, or somebody they may have helped out and filled in for because somebody was sick and the director remembered them and then called them back three years later. And, you know, do you find making those connections? with background work uh, are as equally important? In this business, networking never hurts. Yeah, as, as long as you're uh, competent and, and, and not there annoying people. Be, be a nice person, be a hardworking person, do your job, and people will take notice. And I've, I've had directors remember me. I've had ADs remember me, and I've gotten work because of it that's great yeah just be somebody who's nice to be around and somebody somebody would want to work with exactly yeah and and then be good at your job which on set really just means that you're paying attention Mm -hmm. honestly that's the biggest thing just pay attention which is why i say if you're on set feel free to have a book with you they love to see background have books because it's quiet and the background can still hear if someone calls for them. Perfect. You know what I mean? Because if they have 200 people, they're not going to come tap you on the shoulder. They're going to say, check in number 35. And if you can't hear them, then they're going to get mad. Right. Were there any classes or books or programs that you would recommend for anybody who's trying to get into this? No. Uh, I feel that there should be because it's not... It's not a normal job. 
<laughs> there you go. There's your next project. Michael. It's right. There it is. <laughs> the it, it's it's a really odd gig. They they want you to be seen, but not seen too much. Definitely not heard. You have to tell a story, but the story is not about you. It, it's about figuring out how to tiptoe that line. And honestly, different productions want different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, being in New York, you work on a lot of cop shows and they want you to walk at a certain pace and you get used to it. And a couple of years ago, there was um, this show with Edie Falco called Tommy that yes. only ran for 12 or 13 episodes. I think we shot. And I was on that uh, as one of the cops in the headquarters, just background walking around. And we actually had problems because all the background would walk too fast because we're all used to doing New York cop shows. And everybody was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> this show's set in L.A. Like, you got to slow down. <laughs> so it's kind of an odd thing. And really, like I said before, the, the trick, if there is any, is just to pay attention. Right. And it, once you're there for a little while, you'll learn what questions to ask. So if it's your first day, find someone who looks like they know what they're doing. And if you have a good question, ask it. Otherwise, just follow their lead and you'll figure it out. That's great. Have you ever, I think you kind of touched on this and it's the reason you probably um, are coming out of it now, but a bad experience on set and how did you handle it? Yeah, I've had a few. There was one recently where there there were problems where all the incremental safety protocols for the large pieces of equipment that are moved around weren't mm-hmm. being followed bit by bit, you know. And in one day, we had a couple of fairly large pieces of equipment fall. Oh. Yeah. So that was that was kind of frightening. Uh, luckily, they didn't hit anyone because one of them was large enough to do serious, potentially lethal damage. So, unfortunately, it fell on a baby grand piano. Ugh. Yeah, but was that a union job? Yes, because I thought they were pretty close checking that kind of stuff. But uh, one would think, but and normally they are. But, right. You know, it, if anyone starts doing this work, you, you'll learn there are certain production companies that cut corners. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was one of those teams. And a couple things fell in one day. And that that's kind of an extreme case because it's not just someone being annoying or someone acting inappropriately. But I think it's a good example because there's an immediate danger. And if something like that happens bring it up to the AD team. Uh, your your point person, so to speak, is going to be the second second. If the second second's not around or they're not available for something that extreme and dangerous, you are well within your right to go to the first AD because they should know. And you'll know who that is because you've... You'll know who that is because they're the person yelling action. Okay, excellent. Generally speaking, sometimes the director, but usually it's the first AD. Right. Was was there ever a time that you thought this may not work out for me, you know, financially? Or did you have a plan B? I never had a plan B. Performing was never seen as 
anything less than a profession for me. Uh, I think partially because my father was a professional musician mm-hmm. um, and made a very good living from doing it. You know, he was a, a professional studio musician in New York back in the day, so to speak. Um, <laughs> of course, that was also in the days when, you know, pre-DJs. So he had a, a booming business playing parties. But but yeah, I never, like I, I went to school and got my degree in acting. You went to Emerson, right? I went to Emerson College in Boston, yeah. I, I had other jobs here and there, you know, service jobs and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, everything was always, it was always a job to hold me over until the next thing, mm-hmm. you know, or, or it was just getting me through a phase of life until I got to the next thing and, and then I could move on from it. It was always seen as a stepping stone, not something else. Right. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, and background and stand in doesn't pay a ton of money, but like I said, it, it, it can pay enough. Well, that was the other question I had is, is that a scale pay? So like every background gets the same and. Yes, it is. And an interesting thing to know is the, you'll see something referred to as your base rate. The base rate is the minimum allowed by the SAG contract to be paid for that day. That's if you're SAG. If you're SAG, yeah. Okay. If you're if you're non-union, there is still a base rate. It's just based off the minimum wage for wherever you're shooting. Okay. But an interesting thing to know is that base rate is just that. It's just the minimum. You, as the actor, can act on your own behalf and negotiate on the day, which means while you're there, you can negotiate a higher rate. You can negotiate a bump, you can negotiate an adjustment if something extreme is going on. Uh, as an example, I have a friend who worked on Noah when that was shooting, and mm-hmm. they had to do all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, they were bust hours away from the city, so there wasn't an option of just firing them and having someone else do it. Um, and they were literally army crawling through mud and it, it was really gross. It was freezing out. It was rainy. So it was kind of extreme conditions and they were able to negotiate a significantly higher rate on the day while they were, while they were there, you know, they were told what they were going to have to do. And my friend said, okay. And he looked at the other union background and he said, guys, stick with me on this. And he called the first AD over and he said, we're happy to do this. We will do this, but we would like to be paid this as our base rate. And the first AD said, okay. Oh, wow. And that's it. So they made a different rate, a base rate for that day. Do you run into a lot of the same people on jobs, like especially in the city? Yeah, definitely. So you become kind of friendly with them and you know them. and Oh, sure. Especially... Uh, you'll find that, that casting typecasts you. You know, if you have a certain look and you look like a businessman or you look like a nurse or, you know what I mean? Uh, or or you look like a, like a hipster or you look like a, a barista or whatever it is. And you'll find you work a lot of the same things over and over. You know, I 
have a young look, but at the same time, I can look very professional with, right. you know, my hair done in, in a suit and everything. And I have pictures up on my profile that represent that. So I worked a lot. Like I've, I've been core background on succession since it started. I had a, a storyline on billions for a season. Uh, so things like that, you know, I'll do, I'll do a lot of suit stuff like that. Right. Uh, and you'll see just doing that. You'll see a lot of the same people over and over. Now you were talking about your profile and that's something I hadn't thought of. Should you have pictures of yourself in what you think are the, the kind of characters that you would fit into? Is it good to have a mix or should they just be straight headshots? It doesn't hurt. And I know people who do that and, and say that that's kind of like their secret. I've, I haven't done that. I always just use my headshots and I never had a problem getting work. You know, okay. I also got to know the, the casting directors and the, the, I think a bigger issue is have yourself be known as someone who's reliable. Mm-hmm. Don't be late. Don't cause problems on set. Be the person that the AD team asks to have you sent back. Right. You know, please send us this person again. That's who you want to be because that's going to get you the next gig. You know, that that's going to, I've gotten to the point where I have worked pretty steadily for the last several months, really the last calendar year. Oh, that's great. Since, since we came back from the pandemic, I really haven't stopped working to the point where my wife was like, please take some time off. Cause <laughs> 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 it's long days. And I can't, I honestly can't remember the last time I submitted for something because they just call me. They just call you. That's fantastic. Yeah. I got, I got to that point where they just have knew the me. sets. Have the sets changed much post pandemic or everybody standing around in masks and yeah, you, you'll see everyone has to wear masks all the time. Um, some sets are a little lax about enforcing that. Unfortunately, um, it's one of the reasons I left my last gig is because we were shooting for two months and we had to shut down for COVID four times. Oh. Yeah, it happens. You know, it happens, yeah. but it doesn't happen on all sets. So, right. <laughs> yeah, but yes, uh, you will have to wear a mask the whole time, which can be kind of frustrating, especially for the ladies, because they also want you to take off the mask when you're rolling for the scene, because I'm sure people have noticed even for stuff that's been shot during the pandemic, nobody's wearing masks for the most part. Right. There's a couple right. like uh, the Dick Wolf shows and everything. They're wearing masks, but otherwise no one is. And they want your makeup to be perfect when you take it off. So, right. That's rough. Yeah. It can be annoying, but you'll, you'll see COVID safety teams, which are third party companies that have been hired and they'll mm-hmm. come in and, Make sure that you're wearing the the proper mask if that set wants you to wear a a KN95 or whatever it is instead of just a regular cloth mask or something. Mm -hmm. So it it kind of varies slightly set by set, but for the most part, expect to wear a mask unless you're rolling. Right. With all of your other interests, the music, the acting, the directing, now that you're not going to be doing as much or any of the background work, where do you see your main focus going? What's the, the one you really want to put your 
efforts into. Yeah, the main one for me has always been acting. Everything else is always secondary to that. And the way that I always thought about it was if I got if I was offered two gigs at the same time and I had to pick one and they were comparable levels in terms of like a big step forward, Mm -hmm. which would I take? And for me, it's, it's theater every time. It's not a question. That's great. You know? Well, I wish you luck. Thank Um, you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so now let, let's anything about wonder wheel. Wonder wheel, um, was kind of, kind of a stressful shoot uh we were shooting on location in coney island done up like it was the 50s if you've seen the movie um Mm -hmm. and so we're all in period clothing and everything getting period haircuts every day uh our holding where all this was happening was in the ford amphitheater before it was remodeled it's since been remodeled so it looks completely different but then it was just a hollow shell of a building oh wow and we had to be there at 4 a.m and when you're that far from the city they uh, they have to bus you. So they would have a bus pick people up at 4 a.m. at Canal and Varick and streets in Manhattan and bus them down to the Ford Amphitheater. And then, you know, we'd have our, our pretty standard 12-hour shoot day, which means for background, it's going to be a 14-hour day on the clock, you know, because you have to get there a little before to get through hair, makeup, and wardrobe, and then you're going to stay a little after to get out of all of it. So it ends up being like a 14-hour day. And then (laughs) actually during that gig, because it was what's called daylight dependent, we were shooting on the boardwalk, everything had to be lit by the sun, you know? So I knew that I was going to have evenings off, and we were shooting in september october so evenings were getting longer you know at that time it was also getting colder which was annoying yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a problem 4 a.m uh, <laughs> but i was actually doing a play at the same time oh wow yeah so i'd, I'd be there at 4 a.m i'd do my 14 hour background day and then i'd go into the city to uh this theater called irish rep where we were using the space to rehearse a play that went up a couple months later. That was, whew, that was a stressful time, <laughs> but I, I did. Yeah. <laughs> and then one day on set, another reason that you always want to be the background actor who they can rely on is because they get to know you. Mm-hmm. And then when there's an opportunity, like something called an upgrade, they'll go to you first. Um, so I got to know the ADs, I got to know the PAs, they knew I was reliable and they knew that I was an actor. So something that often happens on film sets is the director will say, oh, you know what? I want someone just to say a couple words here. Yeah. They'll look at the AD and they'll say, grab me someone to, to do this. They, they don't care who, but especially for a period piece, the easiest thing is to grab a background. They're already through hair, makeup and wardrobe. They're probably an actor, or at least they know how to carry themselves on set so they can get through a couple words. You know, you're not going to have a monologue. Right. So when something like that came up on the set of Wonder Wheel, they came to me and I was able to to have a, a quick scene with, with Kate Winslet that uh, that made the cut. So I'm in the movie, which is which is always fun. That is fun. Yeah. That is cool. 
Yeah. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that we haven't covered that you want to get out there? Um, don't do this if you think it's going to make you famous or you're going to get your big break. Just don't, because it's not going to happen. You're going to end up pissing people off on set. And don't do it as a way to, like, like you had said earlier, meet the principal actors and try and show them your script or ask if they want to be in your indie film. They don't, that's completely inappropriate. You're like, be, be a professional. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're at work, be professional. Have some idea of what the gig is like. You know, you listen to this podcast, so hopefully I gave you some idea of what the gig is like because it's not an easy thing to do. I know it sounds like go sit around and get free food, but it is stressful and you will be tired when you go home at the end of the day because you never know when you're going to get called. So in the back of your mind is always ready, if that makes sense. Okay. You're kind of always on. There's not a lot of actual relaxation and downtime because you never know when you're going to hear your check-in number and you're going to have to jump up and run. Mm-hmm. You know, are they usually single day work or is it usually you get called for like a week? Both can happen. Post pandemic, it is more likely that you'll book several days or a week of work. But that being said, you're not contracted for a week. You are hired for that day of work and you are not guaranteed the next day of work until you get a that check-in number for the next day. Okay. So once you get that check-in number, you're guaranteed at least what's referred to as a straight eight, which is an eight hour paycheck, the minimum amount that you can make. Okay. And even that means that even if production cancels the shoot day, the next day, as long as you have that check-in number, they have to pay you a straight eight anyway for that day. Yeah. Uh, Until you get that check-in number, you are not booked on that show. Mm-hmm. And that goes both ways. You know, uh, there can be a tendency, as happens in theater as well, to feel like you're at their mercy, kind of. But keep in mind, they need you. Mm-hmm. They hired you because they need someone who looks like you and can do what you do. So they need you. So if two productions are competing for you, you can say to them, listen, I got this other show that wants me. Get me my check-in number. Because mm-hmm. that's how you have me. Because otherwise, they can back out. There is no rule in the SAG contract that says you have to let them know whether or not you want them by this time. Okay. Even, you know? So if you don't have a check-in number and it's 1030 at night, the night before, and they say, oh, you know, actually, we don't need you tomorrow. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, well. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yep. You're not guaranteed anything. So yeah. if, and if there's another production that wanted you and you turned it down, then you lost a day's work. You know, look out for yourself because at the end of the day, no one else is going to. That's good advice. And what's the next thing for you? Do you have anything coming up? Uh, I don't, you know, have, I have some auditions. I have an audition that's due Tuesday, I think, that I have to do. So All the auditioning is pretty much virtual now? Everything. Yeah. I mean, pretty much everything had gone to self-tapes for the initial round of auditions even before this. Mm-hmm. You know, even before the pandemic. So now everything is uh, is self tapes. So and a little sideline for that. Do you prep for that 
do you try to dress like the character or? I, I don't try and, and put myself through wardrobe, but I'll try to put myself in that vein somewhat, you know, mm-hmm. do, do something that suggests that character. You know okay. what I mean? If, if, if I'm auditioning for a deadbeat, I'm not going to put on a suit and tie. Right. You know what I mean? So, so read the script, look at what you have. Don't go out and buy something for it. Mm-hmm. But look at what you have and say, okay, this is close enough and we'll suggest it. The biggest thing with that also is pay attention to your background. You don't want to blend in, you know, you don't want to have a blue shirt in front of a blue background. That's not going to look good. Right. But that's a whole other thing. All good things. All good things, Michael. All good things. Well, I thank you again. And I look forward to seeing what the future has for you because uh, I'm, I'm, I think it's all good things. Thank you. So I wish you luck. Thank you very much. It's good talking to you. Have a good one. Take care. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Theatre Project Thinks About. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Michael Striano and gained some insight into what it's like to be a background actor. Join us next month for another in our series on up-and-coming playwrights, which will feature Ryan Rosenthal. Our audio engineer was Gary Glor, and our theme music was provided by Gail Liu and Damien DeSandes. Visit thetheaterproject.org to sign up for our mailing list, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. That's all for this episode. We'll see you next time.